0: Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, US Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit USCellular.com for terms and restrictions.
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach, you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip, you ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new, you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation, this is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick.
0: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
2: Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here, and just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 Weeks for quite a while now. About all the cool things that are happening over at AdFreeShows.com.
0: Looking for classic Royal Rumble content? Shows has you covered. First up... Honorary DX member Kurt Angle watches back his favorite match of all time against Chris Benoit at Royal Rumble 2003.
2: It wasn't real smooth. This was a choppy match. It was like we were working for moves. We were working for holds. It wasn't like it was really a clean match, but that's what made it so good. It was ugly and it was choppy and, and, you know, it wasn't like a a smooth move that you do all, you know, nice and clean all the way through or a smooth spot.
0: This match was like gritty. And that's what I love most about it. It was more of a fight than it was a wrestling match. For the first time ever, Jr. watches back the final WWF pay-per-view before he joined the company, the 1993 Royal Rumble, which featured many hall of famers and well, Virgil.
3: All right, next up, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Jr. One and only, Virgil. Here he comes. The meat sauce, the lonely uh, autograph table, the whole deal. That's him. Vir- Virgil's not known for many things. One of them, though, is his penis, allegedly. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be this Royal Rumble experience, but <laughs> I could be wrong. If you're looking for
0: interactive experiences, Ad Free Show's members joined Hacksaw Jim Duggan live, 35 years to the day of his historic win at the very first Royal Rumble.
3: In wrestling,
2: as going way back as a kid, I live in upstate New York, up by Vermont. My dad would bring me and my sisters to Madison Square Garden to watch uh, the circus. So uh, to only imagine, uh, bring my dad, who was my best man, to pull up in front of Madison Square Garden and see Hacksaw Duggan versus Andre the Giant. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why AdFree Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at AdFreeShows.com. symbol of excellence
3: in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to my world. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer himself, your friend and mine, double J Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, Conrad Thompson. The last outlaw is
2: just doing fine and dandy. Lots of things rolling on in, um, can I call can I just talk like talk about myself in third person today? Last I, outlaw, I wish King of would. the mountain, leader of the four horsemen, uh, leader of the bullet club, leader of the NWO. <laughs> Conrad, <laughs> I wish people could see your eyes. They got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. I'm kidding, bud. I'm in a good, good mood today. Excited. Good training session in this morning. Um, lots of man, uh, for those, uh, we usually record that. Our, our kind of uh, our cadence and our rhythm is recording on Monday mornings. Well, today, as we record this, uh, you may be listening to it. It drops on Tuesday, but uh, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. I have a busy, busy, busy weekend headed to Orlando tomorrow. You might have heard of this place, Conrad. It's called Universal Studios. Heard of headed it. Headed down there. Uh, and then, uh, Sunday I'm headed up to Springfield, Illinois, lucky horseshoes, kind of our, uh, one of our kickoff events and got some internal meetings up there and then head to Dayton for dynamite next week. So, uh, the last outlaw, um, <sighs> step in the ring with Dan housing this past week. What, um, what, wait a minute. What life is good. Life is good. Paul Walter I've got people in the back calling him. Hey, did you see Paul Walterhauser is up for, I think he's now the SAG awards or some other jabroni type love fest out in Hollywood where they get together and act like they're all important in the same room at the same time and say, Hey, here's the golden globes. And here's uh, I could do so many wrestling analogies. It's all silly award shows, but, uh, Paul Walterhausen is, um, he is begging. He's itching. He wants the double j rub it's just that simple conrad your, little pal. your what, little pal
3: what is it with these guys that come out of the woodwork every june or every january whether it's effie or paul walter i mean i love oh, the. Walter word ha- is a hauser housing today because you you do it different. you got damn no, housing it's paul walter housing walter housing's one word oh i got you follow me, I am following you. I'm following that. You're in a good mood today. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're, uh, going to talk about something that I kind of thought we would never be allowed to talk about Jeff, Mm. this edition of my world. We're going to be talking about the the time you returned to the company you created in 2017. And of course we know that thing wound up with lawsuits all over the place. Mm. And now somehow today, we're going to try to navigate a conversation around this today, Jeff
2: good luck pal and and um i'll say this i'm glad we're 50 50 partners in this so (laughs) i can blame you uh no all kidding aside uh uh, i'll just say this conrad we will do our best i'm certainly going to do my best to navigate our, our way through here um you said it and and you weren't joking um the end result of this relationship. And, and look, there was a lot of good stuff and good times and bad times and upside down. And, uh, you know, my, uh, personal demons came to head, uh, toward the end of, uh, 2017. And we're going to kick this off, I think around December of 2016, this episode, but, um, yes, it did end up, uh, in court. Um, actually the, the trial, if you will, uh, which it was, uh, was done. um, during the pandemic, uh, in Davidson County in Nashville, Tennessee, we were the first one of the, uh, the, the first there uh, because of, Oh man, picking the jury during that time. What a, uh, know, yeah, again, I want to be careful what I say and what probably more importantly, what I don't say. So you're going to have to help me. Um, just not that me and you need to play nice. I'm not saying that, but just what can and can't be said, uh, I, I think is the fair way to say it. Uh, but, um, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about, so I'll stay on the uh, positive side here, but, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting, um, episode. And I'll say this, Conrad, there was so much what ifs and potentials and, um, just, I mean, just the first 90 days of 2017 what a whirlwind oh my gosh um we're gonna get into it i won't get too far of it, but i'm looking forward to it conrad and i'm you know uh full transparency here guys uh we kicked this off uh that our relationship uh publicly or or in the podcast my world um that was may of 2021 And Conrad told me, hey, man, are there any kind of topics that are just completely, we're not going there? And I, of course, came out of the gate, Conrad, not a topic at all. And then I went, well, now, wait a minute. Let me think this through. Well, you probably said, hey, Jeff, let's think this thing through. And as we kind of went down the laundry list, which ended up being, no, that's okay. No, we can talk about that. this was one of those things that I said, probably what Conrad for six months. No, nope. yeah. I, I just, however long it was, I just said, uh, no, we're, we're not discussing that. And, uh, uh the persistence of, uh, and research and everything that goes with it, here we are.
3: Well, let's, uh, let's try to piece together as much of this as we can. And I realize if we're not careful, we'll sidebar into a hundred different directions, but I want to try to talk a lot about 2017 here. I do at least want to acknowledge that you come back to TNA in 2015 for a feud between global force and TNA, uh, but the business affairs aspect, which, uh, I think there were some missed payments and there's the changeover from spike to pop, um, There's also a bunch of issues in 2015 and 16, specifically with Panda and Dixie and Billy Corgan and arrow Lux. And eventually Anthem gets involved. Needless to say here in 15, 16, 17 boy, TNA is, uh, going Mm -hmm. through some things. Fair to say. And how
2: little did I know? Yeah. I, I mean, look, there, there were obviously lots of public discussion and, and the Billy Corgan trial that was more or less live tweeted, wouldn't you say, Conrad? I mean, yes. there, there was some play-by-play stuff uh, of that. And, and all of that was, you know, w- well-documented. But, you know, just the quick kind of synopsis of I resigned from TNA uh, last week of 2013. 2014 was really – let's just try to figure out what the vision, what's going to be next steps. 2015 started putting the building blocks together. That's when the TNA situation, uh, I, I taped the content out in Vegas, uh, again, and then 2016 out in the market, we're going to kind of get into this, but I had no idea. Yeah. And I think this is pretty safe to say that, that, how many times tna ventures um, i believe that was the name that that went when when panda completely sold it off in 2015 and we'll get into that to in another episode uh but but that's that was when i finally um, was completely out uh, of the company came back they inducted me in the hall of fame but but it was basically game set match uh 2015 and then from that point forward it was no strings were attached to Dallas. Th- those days were over. It was all Nashville-based, Dixie, Surge. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, as as we're, we're going to talk about, you know, Anthem became with Billy Corrigan and Anthem and all that. But I had no idea all the complicated strings and how it was pieced together and who owed what money and who had what power. And I still, to this day, don't really understand all of it. And I don't think anybody really does except – the, the true people in the middle of it, and that'd be Billy and Dixie and, and Anthem.
3: Well, you know, we can't talk about what we don't know, but what we do right. know is at the end of 2016, uh, the TNA program is airing on pop. And of course, this is a, a television show that once existed on, on spike. And well, had, a, had a lot of penetration was in a lot of different households and pop, maybe not as much. And I have to admit. I didn't know what pop was or what channel it was, or that it even existed. When I first heard that TNA was going there, I did through trying to watch TNA discover Shit's Creek. And that was a pretty good show. Uh, (laughs) so there is some decent stuff over there on pop, but it wasn't something that what you know, it wasn't an a brand to say the least. And and so now as 2017,
2: Uh, real quick, quick, do you know where pop like originated from like their place on the channel?
3: It was a channel guide station, was it not?
2: It's a
3: TV guide show.
2: Yeah. TV guide channel. Yes. Started airing little bits and pieces and blips of things. And then, uh, yeah, Brad Schwartz, it was a joint venture CBS. And so, I don't know, Lionsgate or something like that joint joint venture, but yeah, they transitioned it into a general entertainment network.
3: So we're going to talk about global force, uh, in, in more detail another time and, and what the intention was and, and what the strategy was and all that jazz, but we got to do a full global force episode, at least for now, uh, sort of talk me through as much as we can, who reaches out to who, are, are you trying to just get a foothold somewhere and, and making calls? Uh, cause I know that you're a mover and a shaker and you're not scared of the phone, or are they reaching out to you? How, how do you become, how is this idea even first approached? That's You know, old Connie, you're getting pretty good at this podcast game. No, because I was wondering
2: how are we going to dive off into this episode? And, and I know that the global force episode is coming and, and, and we're trying to figure out the timing on all that, but I, it's, it is, it's literally imp- impossible to tell this uh Jeff goes back to TNA without touching on global force right and in um I think it was November of 2016 Ed Nordholm reached out to me um I had you talk about a in a lot of ways a shocking text I just was wow this is kind of bizarre I I, Conrad that wasn't on my um it wasn't on my, my ticket for me to, I, it, I just was really, really surprised. And the reason being, um, there were a small group of folks that knew, but th- this is something that I don't believe really ever hit the sheets, but, but in 2016, and we're going back, uh, several months into this, but I was global force, uh, me and a Smith productions, uh, Arthur Smith, um, he's got a laundry list of, American Ninja Warrior, Hell's Kitchen. And I mean, he's produced all kinds of stuff. Me and him were in an agreement with Global Force, but we were under a holding agreement. Uh, You can call it a bunch of fancy different names, but we went into uh, preliminary. uh, It's a step further than discussions. It is the beginning of negotiations, but we were, I, we, Global Force, was under a holding agreement to Fox Sports when Ed reached out. And so I think it's, integral to the whole kind of mindset that they called me. I let them know I'm under this deal. They were persistent and said, Hey, how can we figure out how you keep doing what you're going to do, but how does this work together? Um, my delusional optimism, Conrad, as you can imagine now after we're 90 plus episodes, how this in a lot of ways bit me in the ass, um, it just did. Uh, but I had a a positive mindset that how are we going to figure this out? But being under the holding agreement to Fox, um, and I'll, I'll say this, this is another kind of set point. Um, two people, uh, were very opposed at, at the very get go for me. Uh, I don't say entertaining the conversations, but, but letting the, the conversations progress, any guesses on who those two people were that they did not want me to proceed, uh, with Anthem
3: Dixie Carter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no,
2: no. Oh, Conrad, you uh, had a good match. Uh, no,
3: Karen You'll Jarrett. Yep. And uh, if I had to guess, Mr. Jerry Jarrett.
2: No. So he was, uh, just kind of see what happens yeah. if you will. But we weren't, Uh, in, in lots of communication, but you know, some, uh, but Hermie Sadler. Wow. uh, And I've always, uh, you know, he's been a longtime friend, but Hermie has, you you know, a lot of folks know him as a, as a, uh, NASCAR driver and a Fox sports personality, but Hermie's a hell of a businessman. His father's a hell of a businessman. He's been around, high level business in the world of NASCAR for years and years and years. So I always I have always respected his opinion. And he, uh, you know, as, as, as a couple of days and weeks went on, he reached out and he said, Hey man, uh, can we have a conversation about something that you probably aren't going to like what I have to say? And I'm like, Oh boy, uh, wh- where's this going? And he just kind of I don't want to say laid into me, but he, he, he basically kind of laid out. You've been working your ass off in 2015 and 2016. And we know how, uh, cause Hermie was right there every step of the way. You know, he, we know how 2013 ended and how you were trying to just kind of find your way, man, you've come a long way and here you are under a holding agreement. Um, let that play out. Don't cloud the issue. Just see what happens next. Um, uh, yeah, concisely let it play out. And so Karen uh had different reasons. She uh very, very time out, felt- time
3: out. Let me ask this because you said earlier and I didn't get to follow up on it, we just kept moving. But you said I got a text from Ed Nordholm in twenty fourteen. No, no, uh, twenty sixteen. Okay. So just to give everybody the timeline, I think it was WrestleMania weekend twenty fourteen. Uh you announce you're forming global force wrestling in the time since then you've done a bunch of PR, got a bunch of press, done some TV tapings. We're now two years and change past that you have some stuff in the works with Fox sports, and that's when this opportunity comes about. But I just wanted to make sure, cause you did say 2014 earlier that it is in fact, 2016 we're talking about now.
2: Yeah. 2014. Yeah. You're right. Just name the company. Yes. And and i had an agreement with a, a pr- another production company that we were trying to find our way all kind of uncharted territory that never really materialized i hooked up with arthur smith and arthur and myself sat down and the strategy was don't go create a pilot go create a series yeah. so if that makes sense you know don't go so that was uh, essentially okay the runway is not 90 days the runway is really 12 months. And, um, not that you're going to be able to create equity and, and branding and, and do everything overnight, but go create a series. And so we, you know, put a plan in place to do 16, one hour episodes, uh, alongside that, uh, connections with minor league baseball. How can you run an economical tour? Uh, it wasn't about, Oh, we're going to go make a million bucks. It was just get up and running and run shows. And so that was 2015 and 2016. Um, as a part of that, we began to meet with, with different, I mean, when, when I say, you know, and Eric's probably gone into great detail on 83 Weeks on that. When you start pitching shows, it, it, it's one thing to ask a network, hey, would you like eight episodes? Would you like 10 episodes? Would you like 12? Hey, man, we can even do only six episodes. That's not the conversation in professional wrestling. The conversation is, do you want to launch a brand? 52 weeks a year. I mean, it's, it's a much bigger, broader conversation. So you don't ever do anything in one meeting. So, um, multiple trips to LA and I, you know, that's what I'm saying. We're kind of getting into all this, but it was th- the building blocks. And when we had our very first meeting with Fox sports in 2016, um, that was, oh gosh, Conrad, 72 hours. Before we even really had a follow-up meeting they said, hey essentially we like what we heard and we'd kind of like to get you guys under a holding agreement. Um, and you, you got to remember this is prior to UFC even you, you know departing Fox. So Fox knew they were going to be in a battle to keep UFC. If they didn't, well, we kind of know, what happened, <laughs> don't we? I mean, they, they lost uh, UFC and the door, in my opinion, was wide open for SmackDown for a lot of obvious reasons. But kind of in the middle of all this, we were under that holding agreement. And so, yeah, that was 2016, um, mid mid-2016. But it was definitely bleeding into uh, at least six months of 2017.
3: So give me some is that the time t- The time frame you had had this, this development deal, this holding deal for six months, or or is it more? I think, or less? I
2: think they asked uh, – no, it was a nine-month deal with an extension of three at their option. Basically, if you get into negotiations, they can extend it out 90 days, which, hey, we were not even a – yeah, you can call us a startup, but, I mean, literally an embryo of a startup. We welcome that, and we're excited about that. I mean, that's where – you know, Karen and Hermie and others were like, hey, man, you're under an agreement. Look, is it making any money? No, but you're in that conversation. Let that play out. Don't cloud it with other wrestling brands and talent and conversations and your um, brain bandwidth, if you will. Uh, does that make sense, Conrad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: So the people who care about you, Hermie Sadler specifically are coming out and saying, Hey, let's play this out. And I guess that makes sense, man. You would bet on yourself. Why not play it all the way out? Um, what was Karen's perspective? Uh,
2: put it real simple. Dixie was still involved. Nothing was good. She, she had seen, and I, you know, um, through the disease of addiction, rationalized everything. But the, the easy way to say it is putting my head in the sand. Didn't really want to believe a lot of the things, but she didn't see any upside to getting back into business with with Dixie.
3: I can't wait to talk more about that some other time. But at this point, add some, some context to your relationship, if any, with Ed Nordum, because I don't... Th- I don't think that's a name that a lot of people knew maybe 10 years ago, uh, in the wrestling space. So chat me up about, you know, when you get this text from Ed, what was this, the nature of your relationship prior to the text?
2: I'd, I'd never heard of Ed Norton okay. I mean, m- maybe the name, but zero relationship. I mean, zero, it was, you know, the text was simple. Hey, Jeff. My name's Ed Nordholm. Um His title at, at Anthem, we have acquired, uh, you know, whatever it is. Would you want to get on a phone call uh, to, to have a discussion? You can imagine what my response was, Conrad. Sure. Nothing <laughs> can go wrong. You know, it, nothing hurts to have a discussion. So, Conrad, that text, and, you know, I don't know if it was the following day, but it was real soon, we set up a conversation, and me and Ed hit it off day one, literally day
3: one,
2: he's, he's a mergers and acquisition attorney. That is one of Lynn Asper's right-hand man.
3: Uh, Lynn Asper, of course, is uh, the Asper family the folks who own Anthem and a whole bunch of other stuff, super wealthy Canadian family. Most of us listening to this have, uh, have not, and probably won't ever have a conversation with Mr. Ed, uh, what? What do you think, uh, you can tell us about him and his personality and all that, if you
2: talk to Ed, um, in in a business setting, he's an attorney by trade and a damn good one at that mergers and acquisition, um, concise to the point, um, uh, very professional, um, from a, from a, a business setting, Accolade after accolade. just, I mean, he's, he, he's a mergers and acquisition attorney on the personal side. And, and a lot of folks may, you know, may or may not know this or heard this, or this, he is a funny, fun loving, easy to be easy to have a conversation with, uh, energetic, um, uh, just, just a, a good dude. I mean, we, we uh, hit, like I said, we hit it off and, you know, out of the first conversation, uh, probably when we ended, it was very much agreed upon you do what you do and I'll do what I'll do. And I think we can make a hell of a team. Um, you know, he made the conversation multiple times, um, because I asked him like, wow, well, What's this all about? How did we get here? And he said through the course of the due diligence. Now look, <clears throat> to to go way back, the fight network um was one of TNA's early, I mean they they've been a part of the TNA international family for years and years and years. Um you know, after 2013 they did bridge loans and loans and when when, the, when Dixie, when they got into real, some financial situations, but they had been around. I'd never met Ed, uh, but he had been a part of the Anthem family for years. Um, and so they saw, look, I don't want put words in their mouth, but they saw the, the asset of TNA program, the value of it for years. I mean, for, for, for a lot of years. That, I think, at the end of the day was their first attraction. Then when they saw that there was an opportunity to, to potentially acquire it, um, they maneuvered themselves in, in there in a very smart, strategic way. Uh, again, another podcast, but, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, the Corgan situation, all that, that unraveled. But I, again, I had no context. I didn't worry about that. Ed's conversation with me was, Hey, we need, we want you to come run the wrestling operations. That isn't what we do. And we've done our due diligence and essentially every Ed's quote was, Every conversation we've had, whether it was current folks or past folks or past partners, because they had reached out to partners because they had fringe relationships with all of them, all of them said, I think you need to go have a conversation with Jeff Jarrett. I think you need to have a conversation with Jeff Jarrett. That was the real underlying sales pitch to me from those guys.
3: So talk to me a little bit about Billy Corgan, because you mentioned him there. And of course, everybody who was sitting on the sidelines, just reading the observer every week, boy, we, he was all over the place, uh, with this story in 2016, and it felt like he was going to get his hands on the thing. And then of course the big announcement comes out on January 4th, uh, that Anthem sports and entertainment, the parent company, the fight network announced the purchase of TNA wrestling. And that's obviously a big deal. But now Corgan's on the outside. Did you have any relationship with Billy Corgan through that TNA adventure? Now, Billy
2: had come to live events. Um, I mean, I remember one in Oak city that Billy came and I think he was in the middle of the tour, but he came and, uh, sat beside JB at ringside. I mean, the, I knew Billy as, as a great business mind uh lead singer of the smashing pumpkins and a, a good friend to jeremy borash i mean that was you know l- l- lack of a better wordsmith that was the context in 2016 when all that unfortunate drama and i know there was dollars attached to that so i hate to call something with a lot of dollars attached just drama but all that stuff that was going on that was obviously one of um the first real due diligence questions that me and my legal guys said, like, where are we at with everything? Where are you guys at with it? Basically what is Jeff stepping into? If he accepts this role, that, that was, that was really what I wanted my attorneys to do is, Hey, really lift the hood up on this. What am I getting myself into again? Once I kind of told my crew, uh, and the folks in Hollywood had that conversation. They were like, can you just kind of, give us another 60, 90, 120 days. And I'm like, I think the time's right. I think there's a real opportunity and we're going to get into this with, with AAA. There's just a lot of moving parts that I thought if we could get it under, and I don't want to say one umbrella, but if we all could have this collaborative working relationship, I I think there's money to be made. Now, again, I hate to, rephrase this again, but you touched on it. I knew the spike deal of 22, 24 million a year revenue was gone, gone. and wasn't coming back anytime soon. So with that being said, it was going to take a collaborative a- effort of multiple promotions working together because at the end of the day, this is obviously prior to AEW Conrad and you know that, that talent needs, <laughs> They, they need work. Yeah. They, they need to get out and and peddle their wares, if you will, and and learn their craft. And we got to have places to develop talent. We just got to get the, the churn of the wrestling business. Well, if TNA's just doing TV tapings, know how shows, and AAA wants to get into this market, and maybe NOAA wants to have a little bit better USA presence, and there's some international stuff going on in the UK. Well, you know, if we have kind of a, a quasi working agreements and we have 30 40 pieces of talent that are getting as much work as they want there's something there so that was something that herbie didn't want to hear Karen Damshire didn't want to hear my la folks kind of understood but also said hey man <clears throat> the big money is in the TV deal and we're under an agreement with Fox Sports we all know that the the UFC ha- has a Pivotal role in budgets with those guys and scheduling and all that, but let's just see how it plays out. Well, I wanted to move forward, jumping off Anthem had just acquired it, signed all the documents. Billy was essentially whatever that game set match was, and Dixie was, uh, in their words, not mine. Dixie's in the box. There, there are no. She doesn't have decision making power. I said that's that's all that matters. I can. More than coexist with Dixie Carter, but if she has decision-making powers in a wrestling entity, I've been down that road. I'm not interested. So once all the I thought hurdles were cleared, I was ready to move forward because I just thought there was going to be a real opportunity um, to integrate all the promotions and Global Force could be launched uh, on a network. But grandiose plans didn't work out, did they?
3: We're going to talk about that, but first I want to follow up on something you said there where you said, well, you know, I wanted to make sure that my people did their due diligence on what I was stepping into. If I stepped into that role, what was the official role? Like what, what did you, you remember the, so, the official title?
2: Well, I know that we had to the early January tapings. Um, it was too quick because. I was bringing. We were, for the lack of a better word, we were working out an agreement. And I understood Anthem's point of view is, "Hey, you just can't come date us. But once we kind of, you're not going to marry us. You're just going to date us. And if you get this TV deal, you're just going to up and fly away." Nope, no, nope, we're, we're not. We're not going for that. So we had to figure out an agreement, basically a merger, uh, Conrad. That that you know once. If things were going to go according to plan, that the rising tide, all ships would have been lifted, how we were going to merge and the trigger points and obviously the 16 one hour episodes. And that's what came into play in the litigation months and months later. So that, that for lack of a better word, we were merging the companies and I'll get into that as you ask questions. But my first role was in January, we agreed, Hey, Jeff, we kind of know what you're we'll call it your salary consulting fee. You know, it wasn't a wrestling fee. It was basically an executive role. Let's just start you January 1st in a consulting role, knowing that, you know, you're, you're moving into an ownership role after the post merger. And as a part of that post merger, whatever that title can be chief creative officer. Uh, I think there was, Oh, man, maybe executive vice president, chief creative. It was one of those terms, Conrad.
3: Um, But you weren't losing sleep about that, really. No, heck no. Yeah, not at all.
0: What companies would you want to work for?
3: Just Capital
0: is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit justcapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business.
1: Furnished by Just Capital.
0: Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal, Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business.
1: Furnished by Just Capital.
3: We're not losing any sleep these days. Thanks to our friends at Chili Sleep. In case you haven't heard the news Sleep Me is the new home for Chili Sleep, bringing you the same great sleep that Chili Sleep offered, but now under a new name. Sleep Me makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets your body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. Chili Sleep makes the Uler, the Cube, and the Doc Pro sleep systems... All of them are water-based, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. Sleep Me systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. They also just launched the brand new Doc Pro Sleep System. It has two times more cold power than the other models. It's Whisper Quiet... And it has a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for five times more cooling contact. My wife's favorite thing about this is uh it's sort of like a smart thermostat for your bed. You get an app, a sleep me app, which is just amazing. A sleep.me app where you can actually adjust the dog on temperature from your phone. You can also do sleep scheduling. So my wife climbs into a warm bed but she do not want to get all hot and sweaty. So it cools her off, but then she has it automatically scheduled to warm her up, to wake her up. It's a game changer in my house. We're sleeping better than ever. And I think you will too. Check it out. Head over to sleep.me forward slash to learn more, save 25% off the purchase of any new doc pro cube or Uler sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep S L E E P dot M E slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. So Jeff, the other thing I wanted to ask about here is, um, you know, we know that you've got this new offer. We know that Hermie Sadler is not nearly thrilled about the idea. Maybe Karen isn't either, but you hit it off with Ed, So you're at least having some conversations. What are the next steps? Do you guys get together in Nashville and do a face to face or after that initial text message and phone conversation, where do we go from here?
2: He was in Nashville often. Um, I, you know, I want to say that uh, right out of the gate, we met at the Hilton downtown. That was the first meeting, maybe the second meeting. Then, um, you know, we had to—and I say we, they, we—the TV taping. To, we had to create content. That the, the the churn of creating content was upon us, and so we had to figure out, okay. I think X amount of episodes uh, were shot and in the can, but we've got to get to Orlando um, and and shoot content like ASAP. And so that was really, for lack of a better word, hit the ground running probably is an understatement of this relationship because there was no time to strategize and plan and really think things through. And I'm not saying that it would have been radically different, but it was – the immediacy of, and and look, there was contracts coming up and guys on day rates and um, not all the talent, if any, were really even happy with the situation, which Ed inherited. That's another kind of situation that I inherited or stepped into a situation in a lot of ways that I didn't create, not making excuses, but that was the reality. But Ed was in a lot of ways, pretty much the same thing because of the Corrigan and Dixie set of circumstances that had taken place for the prior 12 to 24 months. So it was in Nashville, um, Skyway Studios, the offices where they had moved since they left Coming Station, which was the old TNA offices. So it was, um, let's get our ducks in a row as quick as possible and, and, and figure out what next steps are. Uh, big John Gaborik, uh, who had been there for several years at this point, he was, um, I believe his official title was in charge of creative charge of production and in charge of talent. So, um, everything ran through him. Uh, and so, um, it was, uh,
3: what was, I guess it's easy from your standpoint, Are you being brought in to essentially replace him or work with big? So that was
2: like almost, I mean, yeah, the, the first conversation or certainly a part of the end of that first conversation and well into the second one. So who is the team? Who are you keeping? Who are you letting go? Um, because it wasn't, Hey Jeff, you know, the, the initial conversation we're bringing you on, but. And they made it real clear that we're keeping John, but we want John to really work more on production. And I'm like, okay, that's really John's skill set. That was what he did at WWE. And you know, he's a childhood friend of Kevin Dunn. And so John raised in the DNA of television production and he's worked on all kinds of shows. Um with WWE, uh, you know, he's back with him now. He's, he's a big part of production for all the Saudi shows. So, so John, that production is his skill set, arena production and, 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 that, that world. So Ed indicated to me, and this is where well, I don't want to get too far of it, but that, the indication was John was going to be moving over and production was going to be his ball of wax.
3: So b- before we go any further, I, I just want to remind everybody that when this news comes out that Anthem has purchased the company, uh they don't own a hundred percent of it. As it's written in the observer, Anthem's gonna own eighty-five percent of it. Ten percent will be retained by Aerolux, and five percent by Dixie Carter. Before we get to Dixie, we've heard the name. I think it's a marketing company in Brentwood, but I don't know much about it. What can you tell us about Aerolux? Marketing
2: and production company based in Brentwood. Um, Jason Brown, the owner at the time, uh, Ron and Don Harris were affiliated with those guys and, um, yeah, so, so basically a, a production house, uh, what was their role? Now, what was interesting is that, you know, that ownership split, um, well, I don't, what's your perception of that ownership split? Because maybe I'm, I'm assuming incorrectly, what's your perception or what do you think the world's perception was of that ownership split?
3: Oh boy. I think Aerolux at 10% is probably thinking, Hey, uh, this will be a way to guarantee future business and maybe, you know, uh, hang on to something that we thought we had a bigger piece of, I don't know. But the Dixie thing at 5% feels a little bit like vanity, maybe like at 5%, who cares, you know, this is, you know, I, and I, boy, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to diminish it, but you ever see one of those episodes of shark tank where they come in and they offer the the sharks 3% of their company. It's like, who gets excited about 3% of anything? Well, sort of the same thing here. Who gets excited about 5% of anything? Um, I don't know what the profits were in 2016, but saying, well, I'm getting no. 5% of no. those.
2: <sighs> yeah. And a little this, I'm not going to get into the, all the, the details. Cause I still, even with great recall, uh, at times and sometimes horrible recall Conrad, it was look, airlocks and Dixie were it's, it's all about debt load. Yes. We're going to reduce Yeah, That's all that is. There was no profits.
3: No. And yeah, I mean, at that point we're talking about, can we try to make some of these folks as whole as we can? Uh, and then they retain a little bit of ownership, but essentially the press release is going to let everybody know that Dixie is resigning from her position as chairman of impact ventures, but she's still going to be involved talk to me a little bit about the Dixie piece, you know, when you're saying who is the team and you you sort of gave us the, the lowdown on big, what were you told would be Dixie's role at all? Well, and see what's weird is when I read the
2: research, I, that totally, I mean, you talk about something that I totally forgot about because after the initial conversation and I had that straight up with Ed, Ed, I personally look, I can coexist, whatever you got to do. You, you guys saved Anthem. And again, I don't, I didn't then, and I did not now completely understand the, the Corrigan piece, but regardless it's yours now. And you did what you had to do. So you have obviously existing relationships with Air Lux, with Dixie, with Corrigan, that's yours. But moving forward, as far as decision makers in the room that have the decision-making power—that's very important to me, um, because a I, the branding here uh, of GFW and the content and and what we're headed for and the Fox Sports holding deal is one thing, but just the day-to-day operations—I don't want to fight city hall anymore. I, I I did that in for a lot of years, and there's that that will there's nothing good that comes from that. And they assured me we are going. To handle that, um, you know, in in a release, I can remember saying that. I'm like, well, how's all that work? And, and he goes, financially, that was done October or whenever it was. When they funded that last deal, that they took over then. It was theirs. They were the ones writing the checks, and it was theirs. So there wasn't really an equation of Dixie in it.
3: Well, it's noted that you and Karen and Dutch are going to be at the TV tapings. And Dave would even say Dixie Carter, even though she has a public title, is out and wasn't there. This was the restart with the new owners. It was very little different. They had the same talent, the same positions that they'd seemingly been in for months. And he would basically say that you and Dutch were brought in as consultants, Dutch as a creative consultant. So let's work backwards when you are told, Hey, this is going to be your thing. We want you to run it. I'm sure I shouldn't say I'm sure I imagine you thought, well, let me just go see how things are going now, see what we got. And I know I can trust Dutch to have my back and give me his honest take and two cents. So I'll bring Dutch along. Is that pretty much it? It was three guys.
2: Um, look, I'd like for Dutch to be a part of it. I like for Scott, Demore to be a part of it. I like for Sanjay debt to be a part of. It that was the, the mindset and Dutch, uh, we'll call it the wise out and creative and just kind of get a sense and a vibe and everything that goes with that. Scott, uh, I'll say uh, essentially from a, a, a talent relations, uh, point of view and Sanjay kind of that overall blend of creative and talent and, uh, fresh ideas and everything that went with it. That was Uh, essentially the mindset of if, if I'm coming in to run wrestling operations, let's get the team in there, uh, sooner rather than later. I understand, look, and at this stage and we're we're right now, we're talking into December going into January in, and I found this out later and then much later in detail. And then obviously, you know, I, I had no idea on, this deck of cards they were playing with. I wanted to see budgets early. Like, what do we? What are the budgets? What can and can't we spend on? What like? What are my guidelines? What are my? You know, that was something that was very important to me. Is that, hey Ed, you you're a business dude. Mergers and acquisitions, bottom lines, profits. I mean, he took companies and made a career out of you know, acquiring a company at X price and selling it at X price or merging it. That's what he did. So I said, I need to have numbers on where we're going with things. That was, uh, that was our first kind of, uh, we'll call them speed bumps at first. They later became roadblocks and then they later truly became pileups. It became a disaster just because I don't want to get too far down the road here, but, but, uh, that's where it really turned sideways uh lack of clarity but these early stages were i right, if if we're coming in and you want me to run wrestling operations basically talent um creative and have a say in in in, in the you know the, the production as it relates to the finished product um which kevin sullivan later became a integral part of this conversation so um yeah And as I'm just sitting here talking about it, Conrad, the potential of where we were headed and where we ended up. Wow.
3: (laughs) Go ahead. Talk to me a little bit about Karen. You know, it's in the notes here that she, um, she actually comes to that first TV taping with you. Did you get her a gig or is she there just as Jeff's wife? No, she wanted to work and she
2: had a conversation without me, uh, with Ed and basically says, "I'd, I'd like to be a part of whatever role uh you see fit and and y- they worked out their own deal on their own terms on their own time what was her role supposed to be cuz you know what uh, again back to titles but l- l- let's just say uh probably something alongs of a uh creative li- liaison uh maybe what, Something is, along
3: what is a creative I, 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 liaison? I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Like, yeah, I know I think, she's a hell of a performer on camera. I'm just wondering.
2: I'll call it. And I, that's what I was thinking, were they still called the knockout division? I was going to say de- dealing with, with the female component of the industry. I got you. Whether it's makeup, uh, whatever talent relations, uh, you know, it's a different day and age. Um, having a female in talent relations, having a female, uh, in create in creative, I'm not saying writing the shows. That's why I. I, I but
3: hesitated. she would be a manager. She'd be in a management role, overseeing the lady side. Yes. Okay. That, in short, yes. Okay. Got it.
2: So You know what I'm saying? Not not just creative, not just talent relations, but a conduit.
3: If a man, deal, If management deal. needs information disseminated to the female side of things, Karen's gonna go put a brave face on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your first. TV tapings back. What do you remember about that day?
2: Surreal. It was in Orlando, uh, in, in, in so many circumstances that it happened rather quickly. I knew, um, you know, it goes without saying, I knew that there were folks that I had worked with day in and day out for the last two years that we're not huge fans of this situation. Um, What do you mean? Well, what I'm saying, Hermie and Karen and my L.A. folks, and, you know, Sanjay had obviously worked day-to-day and Scott had worked day-to-day. They they didn't voice their opinion uh, as a part, you know, and I probably didn't ask them, um, but I wanted, I I guess that gave me a sense of, I'm going to dig deep and do everything in my power to make this work. Um, because I knew the potential and opportunity that we had, um, I wasn't delusional in thinking that the impact show, cause after you've had a run of, at this point, almost 10 years, it's not like you were going to step back in. Um, the pop rating was the pop rating. So how are you going to convince another network? Hey, we're going to go back to doing 2 million viewers a week. That just wasn't going to happen in 2017. It just wasn't. But if we put the building blocks together, I think there was going to be an opportunity. So going in the first taping, you know, seeing the talent that were there. And I know Gabor, you know, there was who was coming and who wasn't coming. I had no say because it all just happened. Hey, this is the talent that's going to be there this week. And we've got this written and that written. And, you know, and and I'm, we'd have, I'd have to look at episodes to see what kind of input or, or if I, I don't say rewrote, but I'm just trying to think of what my input was on all of it. I know the building blocks were already there.
3: So talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you're, you're doing this taping, uh, you you're sort of thrown right in, had you been keeping up with the product on a, on a consistent basis, or are you sort of just reading about it from afar or are you really trying to play catch up here?
2: I'm sure I'm planning to play catch up to the details. But for the most part, um, I, I generally kept up, I try to keep up with a little bit of everything, but do I watch every segment of every show? It's impossible, but generally speaking, I was aware of, uh,
3: the hot thing that really got hot and, uh, had, had sort of breathed a little bit of new life and got some big attention for impact was the Hardy boys and their deletion component of their characters. And at this first set of tapings, the Hardys are going to challenge the bucks of youth at one of the tapings. Of course we know (laughs) that's uh, going to go on to be the young bucks and big part of AEW. talk to me a little bit about what your relationship was like with the Hardys at this point, because they're probably the top act in the whole company, would that be fair to say?
2: For sure. The top act, and me and Jeff have always had a tighter relationship, uh, than than me and Matt or, or past me and Matt now see each other every week. So the, the set of circumstances have changed. Um, but I tell you what, right off the bat, well, the first was budgets that me and Ed, I, I can't say that we got sideways, but just no clarity. Then the transparency on the Hardy situation, uh, and as we'll get into, it really caused, and I look, I'll take full responsibility for any and everything um, that I got out of line saying, but the honesty and transparency of my understanding of not just the Hardy contracts, but the Hardy positioning and, and the final deletion P I was not told and still don't really know the exact details, but I know kind of going through this. And again, I'm going to go back. I don't know how much, who was promised what on dollars and cents from all the parties at B, and I want to say Dixie and Ed and Corrigan and whoever else from production. There, it was. It was a very complicated layer. But yes, the Hardys were by far. I say by far, but yeah, they they were the most overact, and their contract was coming up for renewal, and it was at the very top of the talent list, what direction are we going with them? And uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm looking to add for guidance. And not only was I not really getting clear guidance, I, I was I was getting misinformation.
3: What what type of misinformation were you getting? Can you give me an example?
2: Well, there is and, and you know, there were contractually speaking my understanding was that, and I was told from Anthem, not just Ed from Anthem attorneys, they own final deletion. They they owned, owned it all, which made sense to me because it's
3: on their the, program. Yeah.
2: It's on their programming. I don't think that was the understanding because uh, of, I guess, a number of factors, maybe what they had agreed on before I got there. Um, I know that, that.
3: Let me ask this. You you said the words P and L a minute ago. I didn't know the, the, the deletion P and L were you saying in terms of how strong their merch sales were or were they self-financing some of that stuff? So therefore maybe since they wrote the checks for it, they owned it.
2: Well, and see, that's where I never could get a clear understanding, but that was in my understanding, the reality of the situation is, is that Matt and Jeff, had paid for some of, and again, the expenses, you you can wordsmith some with some 90% or 10%, but they paid for some of the expenses that I'm like, okay, who owns it? Yes. Who's going to get paid back? Are you not getting paid back? Who told you to expense that? Who told you not to expense that? All that kind of stuff. What really mattered to me was who owns it? Yeah. Who owns the IP? Yeah. Like, if, if you come up with a creative idea at WWE, great. WWE still owns it. Yes. It, 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 and there's there's not even a gray area. So the, the kind of conversations I said, I know certain folks paid and didn't pay and this and that, I, I get that. But as far as the IP, who owns it, who doesn't own? Well, I was told over and over and over, we own it we own it, we own it, okay, we own it. Uh, and I know it feels like Conrad, I'm getting too far down because you ask who's the top talent, but um, they were, and I wanted them signed, re-signed. If I'm putting together a roster, I need to know who the roster is to kind of do the building blocks. But not only that, if if they're the top talent, they're going to take X amount of the budget, which, hey, guys, what is that budget? And then I'll know what ha- what is left over, what's there again, Conrad. Th- these were the kind of early problems that were man, go what do I always say, uh Conrad? Cor- Overcommunicate.
3: Corporate wrestling doesn't work. That's what you always <laughs> say. Yes, it damn sure does. Uh the other top talent, the tier. And man, it's crazy to think, I mean, guys, let's just run through. We got the young bucks wrestling, the Hardy boys, the Hardy boys have taken the world by storm at this deletion stuff. Who's our champ drew Galloway, who we know these days is drew McIntyre and headlining WrestleManias and major stadium shows. And it's a loaded roster here. You got plenty of talent to work with, but Drew's contract is going to be coming due as well. Uh so Matt and Jeff Hardy and Drew Galloway all coming up. I'm sure you're trying to deal with all of that. We know ultimately the Hardy thing doesn't work out and it gets kinda ugly. How involved in that were you? In which part? The separation of the I mean, did it come down to as JR likes to say, cash and creative, the two C's?
2: Now look, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I was Desperate may be a word. I really wanted to resign it, but I couldn't figure out why Ed and John, but really Ed, why we couldn't get a a clear answer. Are they in or they out? Are they in or they out? Are they in or they out? And I'm like, at some point you got to fish or cut bait. That means either they're on their team or they're off. Right. Where do you stand? And I really couldn't get an answer, which was super frustrating on top of the lack of budget direction. And when I say budget, I don't want that just to be a talent conversation because you go to Orlando, you can go every other week. So when you go, you two, t- shoot two shows in one day, or you go every six weeks and you shoot sh- six shows in four days. Or, I mean, there's a you can do the math and, and, and sliding scale and all that, but kind of the lack of direction on what we could and couldn't do as a part of production, but then you throw in the talent, like who's on the team, who's off the team. So I was, and and this is where, man, if I could have picked up the phone and talked to Matt and Jeff, just one-on-one and, and get a clear answer. Why couldn't you? Ed did not want that. Ed wanted, and, and I, again, Ed heard a lot of great stuff about me coming in the door, but he, and we talked about that. He also heard, you know, whatever you want to say, the negative stuff.
3: Um, what what was a criticism of you back then?
2: Well, I I think Ed's point was, um, Jeff's going to come in and take ownership of things and he's going to do things. Um, I'm trying to think how he would classify it. Ed did not want me, I don't say above him, but doing anything, he, Ed wanted to be in the middle of it because Ed was the keeper of the keys for Anthem's money. So I understood that. But when you deal with talent, yeah, it just goes without saying. An attorney dealing with talent is completely different than a, a veteran dealing. You know, me being in the business, it's it was just a completely different set of circumstances. But Ed wanted to handle the negotiations. Again, he's brand new into the business. I'm, I would gathered to say he's got a different perspective today at this point he's two months into owning the company and he wanted his hands in everything and rightly so but he wanted to run point on all the negotiations and he did he wanted to take my advice uh, on on my side of it and some he took good and some he didn't take at all but he wanted to run the show
3: how did that work for you what was your thinking on that i mean is I, that
2: i can i can remember sitting at the kitchen table having a conversation with karen and saying he's only going to learn by trial and error and this could be real painful and um you know i was very frustrating when i knew that he was having conversations not just with the hardies with other talent and he would I don't want to say use my name, but refer to maybe not these words. A Jeff said,
3: yeah, well, I was talking to Jeff
2: sort of that type deal. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly the message, but uh, again, I don't think he was trying to do good cop, bad cop. I think he was new to the industry and look, my dad gave me this education years ago and it's one of those ones that At the time, you don't understand how valuable it is, but as time goes on, it is—it's everything—in in in the point that when you, we'll call it a promoter because that's how my dad classified it, but you know whether it's a promoter or a booker or, or, but when you're dealing with talent, it is a unique relationship in that. At the end of the day, the talent has to sign up and say, here's my career. I'm putting it in your hands. Right. When, when, when that, when you understand that concept, I'm not going to say it should, but if you view it through those lenses, I think Ed Nordholm would have gone. You know, I'm not the guy that the Hardys are going to turn their career over to. It's just not going to happen. But when you have Lynn Asper and Anthem telling you, Ed, go to Nashville, their home offices there in Toronto, and get this ship straight and get it on the straight and narrow and get this. Okay, so your highest paid talent would be the Hardys. Oh, I've got a run point on this. I absolutely have to run the show on this. It is... Really, a difficult position to, to get into, and it, it 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 ultimately the wheels came off. If we would have just been renegotiating their financial terms, Conrad, that would have been difficult because they obviously had WWE in their minds. You know, we were yeah. never going to overcome that. Okay, but they also had
3: they had a lot ind- of freedom doing what they were well, doing.
2: Well, they had independent wrestling going. They had yeah. Ring of Honor going they had the final deletion, which is, which was kind of an undercurrent, Hey, we can take this outside of the impact programming because let's be real. It was on pop and yes, pop gave it its birth and all that, but you could have done that on YouTube and you, you could have done different avenues on that. So you weren't dealing with just a tag team and I never want to call them just a tag team, but you weren't having a conversation on, on, uh, uh, you weren't even having a creative and financial discussion about a tag team re-upping with a company. It was much broader. Me trying to diplomatically explain to Ed that you are the world's worst person to be in this position because you have no history with, with either one of those guys. And at the end of the day, you're asking them, Hey, re-sign up with us. We're brand new to the game. And, um, Hey, put your career in my hands. That was just, it was kind of I'm making sense of how difficult of a situation it was
3: <laughs> as if that's not enough, uh, there's a snafu on January 12th on the fight network. This is the station that's owned by Anthem, the new owners of TNA, and they accidentally air last week's episode. So they do get the current episode up, but it airs in a replay spot. And Meltzer would say what happened is that usually fight network gets a tape from TNA several days in advance. But in this case, TNA just finished production on Wednesday afternoon or evening, and it takes overnight to download an episode. So they couldn't start working on it until Thursday morning. Then as they were working on it, the file got corrupted and they weren't finished in time. They were able to finish by 10 PM and aired the show then. How many days into this, as you look at Karen and say, I think we've made a huge mistake
2: and what do you think the delusional optimist did?
3: Well, it'll be all right. I mean, it won't happen again. I mean, listen, it's, we're going to get these kinks worked out, but good. Growing gracious. pains,
2: Karen, growing pains, Hermie. growing pains guys. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, that was me.
3: I mean, I'm sure you had Jacob Ullman's number pulled up in your cell phone and almost hit send several times, but it didn't oh, happen. Yeah. Uh, you put a deal together with uh, crash the company down in Mexico. I assume you worked that with uh Conan.
2: Yes. I mean, there was, uh, again, this is where, and it's not that far of, you know, long ago, but crash promotion based in Tijuana, right across the border. That was red, hot, great venue. Um, Look, I wanted to bring LAX back. Um, and, you know, I don't even think in the notes there's a lot of talent discussions. That I mean, this 2017, Conrad, we literally, I thought about this. This could be three episodes. It yes. could be the beginning, the, the middle, which could sim- basically focus around Slammiversary 15, one of my top five favorite shows of all time that I've been a part of. And then basically the last 90 days. Uh, but as as far as Conan coming back in, two guys that became the new LAX, you might have heard of them, Santina, Santana and Ortiz, with Conan as a manager. I mean, they were magic. But, yes, Conan was the driver of Crash. I knew it was going to be opportunity. They ran regularly. Um, again, it, 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 AAA is is very much a Hispanic project. Um, Crash is a border town, so... Uh, it was without question, Lucha Libre, but a, a lot of American flavor there. And, and just, man, there's God almighty. What opportunities in 2017.
3: Well, I do think this will wind up being three episodes, uh, because there's no way we can cram all of this into one, but your return was so seemingly unlikely. I mean, and, and in a weird way, it's kind of a movie, you you're back in the company that you helped started and. There's been some trials and tribulations and some, he said, she said, and some hurt feelings and a lot of water under the bridge. Uh, but now you're back and maybe with a lot less pressure, even than the first time around, right? I mean, the first time you were just putting all your personal money in on this and living and dying every week and hoping you could eke out a profit. The approach here is a little different now, all this time later, 15 years later. Right. Well, Conrad,
2: except the fact that I put my own money into Global Force Wrestling. I see. So, the clarity I have today in 2023 versus the clarity I have there now. But, Conrad, um, you know, and we've covered this on other episodes. But my alcohol abuse radically went up in 2017 no excuses. It is what it is, but it, it did. Um, and so I just compounded the stress and the issues and everything that went with it. Um, so yeah, I, you know, you, you, uh, I started to use the word trigger, but when you said, no, not as much stress the hell it wasn't Conrad. I was stressed to the max. Why? Okay. we'll call it just the, the, uh, Karen Hermie effect. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense, you want to prove them wrong. Well, okay. That's one. Two is, um, I had worked for two years with global force and merging the companies, things had to hit right. And I'm not saying that we were going to start making a million dollars overnight, but to, to create compelling content that, is this going to work? I had all the belief in the world. And we're going to get into world of sport. And we just touched on crashed and we got triple a, um, and, and, and Noah is going to come into play in a minute, but getting all these promotions to kind of work together and see the vision and roll this thing down, down, down the court. Um, it, it, goes without saying in the back of my mind, is Dixie going to be involved is Corgan coming back? Because I think my understanding was Corgan was kind of done wrong Maybe not by Anthem, but maybe by Dixie. Just all those, again, I'm making my problems worse, all that. And then on top of all that, dealing with just the wrestling industry, Conrad, you've dealt with it a little bit on Rick Flair's last match, but dealing with talent day in and day out is not easy. It is a full-time job to be done right. I've always said that. Talent relations is a 24-7, 365, thankless job. But if it's not
0: Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does
1: Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people – and you
3: find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com/ai for all. Well, I'll tell you what, the uh the wheels are never coming off with our friends at backyardbutchers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is over. Quality steak, free shipping, period. The backyard butchers restaurant quality steak boxes are now available online. You can get steakhouse quality bulk meat specials responsibly sourced from American farms and delivered right to your door. And right now for a limited time, backyard butchers is offering our listeners 15% off plus free shipping. And oh yeah, four free ribeyes for life with every subscription. I got to tell you, I didn't know what to expect, but it exceeded my expectations. Backyard butchers did because I thought, wait a minute. You're going to beat the grocery store prices. How is that possible? I don't know, but they've managed to do it. And I got a freezer full of meat. Now backyard butchers can hook you up, man. Steak, pork, chicken, whatever it is you're looking for They got it. And as our old pal, Jr. Would say it's restaurant quality folks. So cut out the middleman grocery stores. You're getting responsibly sourced hundred percent American made beef, pork, and chicken right there from the heartland of America. It's going to be delivered to your door in an eco-friendly insulated box. Going to keep that meat at just the right temperature. They got great customer service too. But what I really like is that there's no gimmicks here. Y'all no memberships or subscriptions are necessary, but if you do choose to subscribe, you can cancel anytime. I recommend you try them once. And let me tell you, you're going to want to subscribe on your reorder. You're going to love the price. You're going to love the ease. You're going to love the quality. You're going to love the taste. And again, they're checking all the boxes steak, pork, chicken. Why not take advantage of this special offer? Get 15% off plus free shipping and four free rib eyes for life. All you got to do is visit backyardbutchers.com. Use our promo code, MyWorld, and you'll get 15% off plus free shipping and four free rib eyes for life. That's BackyardButchers.com. Use our promo code, MYWORLD.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for.
3: so, Jeff, listen, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I do want to ask about. Hey, Conrad, can I ask you a question? Sure.
2: Because as you are well aware, none of this story has really been told. Right. Right. To point, I guess we're maybe an hour or so in. Have And we're best buds. Talk yeah. all the time. Yeah. And you know bits and pieces of, of, of this has anything I, that we've talked about today? It, like, I'm curious. I'm going to make, cause you know, we're, we're both probably our biggest critics yes. and all that. Yes. Well, t- tell me, your, g- give me your quick Twitter, 140 characters, or less feedback so far. Cause I've always been curious, like, you know, people think they know the story of me going back in 2017. Cause there was a lot of negative stuff and, this and that we didn't even got into the del rio and bobby lashley and dan lambert and all there was all bruce coming back i mean there's so much fun stuff here but so i'll take a pause right now give me quick feedback i'm curious i really am well listen, well, us have, have a, a, I,
3: i'm, I'm excited make. for us to talk about it because you know i was obviously uh growing something to wrestle with bruce and i'll never forget i was actually in san antonio for the royal rumble Uh, with my kids and, uh, I got a, I got a call from Bruce that said, you're not going to believe this. And he told me that he had just had a conversation with you and, and the timing of it was amazing because we had just done an episode trashing TNA and, and, and spilling the tea as the kids say about his time in TNA. And it said all kinds of records for our show. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Like, I mean, we, I think we crossed a million listens on that in the first month, just that oh, one well. TNA episode, it was bananas mm-hmm. and the idea that now they're calling for him to be back on the program <laughs> was amazing. So I do want to talk about that, but very quickly it comes out in the, in the newsletters that you're replacing big, that you're sort of the, the wrestling guy now. Who's going to be handling wrestling for Anthem? And it also comes out that Dixie, although she technically has a title, is essentially a non-entity. And Surge is gone too. Uh, bittersweet for Surge and Dixie to be gone and you to be back, or does that even cross your mind?
2: Remember that was really handled in the first conversation or two. Yes, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, my my attorneys were the same attorneys that, they, they were with me in 13. They knew the Toby Keith acquisition story better than I did, candidly. The, the, you know, because they weren't emotionally attached to it. Uh, let me fra- phrase that. The, they knew the ins and outs, but the whole realities of the situation, though, is that that would have happened had it been for not Dixie not wanting it. So now here we are four years later. Oh wait, this company and Jeff, you really want to do this? So that they knew that that was once they understood the debt structure and understood Billy and Dixie and Anthem's position, everything they gave me the green, the, the the thumbs up that, Hey, if you want to do this, we may not agree with this, but Dixie's not a factor. Billy's not a factor. AirLux is not a factor. You are dealing with Anthem and Anthem only. And when we merge the companies, you two guys are on the hook and nobody
3: else. Talk to me about the positioning of the merger. You've mentioned it twice. Now we haven't spent any, I mean, I know we're probably going to do a full global foreshow show someday. Not probably we will, but. How, how was that discussed with Anthem? Like they were going to quote unquote, buy your footage and and buy global force or what was the strategy or just talk me through that.
2: In a simple math equation, we will put a value on each episode of amped. That's the 16, one hour episodes and that value, and it can be, Look, you can pull a number out of the air, but what do we value a weekly episode of Impact? Um, okay, it's not going to be worth impact because Impact's been on the air and you know, all, all that. But we came up with the number of what an episode would would we valued at. They come up. They came up with the valuation of the company as it stood in January of two thousand seventeen. And then you kind of got into the negotiation. Like, right? what's Jeff's value? You know, where are we going with this? So, when we merged the company, what was my percentage? And i am be giving you really broad strokes, Conrad, and you can help me clean this up and wordsmithing it. But we were determined the value of my ownership of the, the, the new entity, which would have been a global force uh,
3: impact wrestling new co. So talk me through just the the timing of that and the finances of that as much as you can share.
2: Well, remember, first conversation was November, December 2016. Right. Amped was done. I had the sixteen one hour episodes. They're, you know, we, we gotta for lack of a better word, they're ready to air. You could clean them up and Put, put, you know, you could splice in new content. You could do whatever you wanted to do, but that was content that could be aired. Um, And so that was a part of the original discussion from the very, very beginning. And there was discussions on how we arrived there and lots of discussion. But if, if we are, let me back up even further. Everyone collectively kind of agreed that, okay. There's value in the name TNA. There's value in the name Impact. Jeff, you've over here outside of this, you're creating a value in GFW. You know wh- Where do we go with things? How are we going to navigate our way and come up with a brand? Did we ever completely land on it? That was more of a creative decision. But for lack of a better word, GFW presents Impact. Because from the very beginning, Impact was the name of the T- TNA show, not the name of the brand. Right. I thought that day one how we confused everything we went from tna presents impact tna presents explosion tna presents bound for glory then all of a sudden it was impacts the name of the company but we were headed toward going back to gfw presents impact gfw presents amped if we were to get a, a second show all that kind of stuff so does that make sense conrad i, yes. I want to make sure that i'm 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 drilling down on the answer to your question but that was the vision we were headed at
3: well but we you know, just to be plain speak, you guys have a dollar figure per hour and there is going to be some sort of fulfillment where they're going to buy that out from you.
2: No, I I was going to get that percentage of shares. The value I got into, I I have shares of the new company.
3: I understand. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's keep going here and let's talk about how you're going to start trying to expand. You mentioned you're going to bring into more, Meltzer was very complimentary of him. We all know that Dutch was sort of your right-hand guy. So it feels like it's the Jeff Jarrett show again. Um, you're going to talk to Conan about crash and it even comes out in the observer that you've been trying to set up a meeting with ITV about world of sport, talk to us about that. I know a lot of our listeners here domestically might not be familiar. So world of sport
2: is a weekly episodic wrestling show that aired in the sixties and seventies. And ITV is similar to NBC or CBS here in the U S but it was weekend week out. Oh man, are all kinds of names you could say from the British wrestling scene, but it went away and that's the domestic television. And shortly thereafter, then on sky sports came WWF programming and, Britain has had never had their own home promotion that aired on nationally, uh, televised TV. And so there had been discussions internally of ITV. I think they used the terms reboot, rebrand, relaunch, all kinds of stuff of bringing world of sport wrestling back. Um, Ed Nordholm was, I believe he received a call. Uh, through a connection of a connection, and it was kind of brought into the group. And I was obviously, Conrad, you can imagine, Super Bowl. I'm a huge proponent of British wrestling. I think there is so much value. Um, For lack of a better word, Japan has their style of wrestling. Lucha Libre has their style of wrestling. The Brits have their style of wrestling. And, you know, I'm going back to, you know, my dad being a huge fan of Billy Robinson. And I mean, there's all kinds of ins and outs that we all could draw the analogy to. Um, Adrian street was a big draw in Memphis and, you know, anyway. Um, so w- when this was kind of brought to the the attention, um, Ed was super bullish on it. I was too. Hey, let's explore the opportunity and figure it out. ITV. I mean, comparatively speaking, they're not a USA network. Uh, they are a, you know, a major broadcast network. Let's, let's find out where we're at. And that was kind of, um, at this point, the discussions were going, let's go talk to them.
3: So you're trying to expand internationally, both in Mexico and across the pond. And then it comes out that you're even having some conversations with Noah, trying to figure out what's over there. Uh, crash as a reminder, I have a lot of great talent that are all under contract with Lucha underground guys like Ray Phoenix and Ricochet and Brian cage and Penta and Ray Mysterio. And then you even get a call from your old pal Dorian and triple a man. It feels like you're just throwing in the deep end You're You're networking across the globe here now.
2: Well, and what was, you know, Conrad, if I'd have had my head on straight, you know, But look, no regrets. Everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. But Ed called me; I didn't call him. Through Conan, you know, Crash reached out, Dorian reached out, Noah wanted to work with us. Um, The ITV opportunity—it was one of those things. And yeah, I like to hustle, and I like to be aggressive. These things were kind of the opportunities were coming, Conrad. But I I look back, and it—it—it wasn't. A Jeff Jarrett deal or an impact deal. I just think when I, when you really, really look at it, the opportunity for a second brand to, in a different way, it wasn't going to be a TNA 2002 through 2009 set of circumstances. It was going to be a different opportunity for a brand to really gain a foothold in the U S because, you know, u.s is where the bigger budgets are the population are the wrestling's bigger there's independent wrestling all over the place every i mean just all the time um just the opportunities were abound man conrad um yep i'll say this you think about this 2017 and in 2018 um mr tony Khan and the AW aew building blocks were put in place and look what happened in 2019. You know, when you kind of just look at the landscape, it was very, very interesting. And it goes without saying, Fox Sports knew that as well. They were well aware a second brand, there was space. I mean, all the powers that be, and that's a GFW episode, but having those meetings with the highest level of Fox Sports and hearing their perspective, you know, when the SmackDown deal, that's another podcast, when that deal came out, it didn't surprise me at all
3: you've stopped and started a few times today. Do you, oh uh, do you, I don't know another way to ask this. I feel as if you are carrying around some guilt because of your substance issues at the time, oh. looking back and thinking, what if.
2: Oh, and now I've processed it. I've let it go, but, and I can tell you this in October and November and December. Um, of, of 2017, I did, I I did the best at that time to come to the grips of the reality of collectively, every decision I made in 2017 is all on me. You know, I, I, I looked myself in the mirror and said, Jeff, you can point fingers at whoever you want to and just have a field day and rationalize and justify and minimize all the screw-ups and all the mistakes and man, just ha- eat your heart out, come up with every excuse you want at the end of the day, pal, own up, man up. And Conrad, you know, it, it's what an experience it, it is part of who I am today, but guilt and shame, are two different things. And I know I've covered this shame is who I am. Guilt is what I did. I am guilty in 2017 of screwing up just about every business and personal relationship that I had,
3: man, that's what I like doing about this podcast with you is you, uh, you'll just let the old ugly truth hang out there. And I appreciate that candor. And I mean,
2: I read, think about it. Yeah. world of sport screwed it up. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, you could go down, go down Well, in the world of sport. We'll get into that. That's a cool story too. When you kind of look at the result anyway, uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I, I own it all, but I own it all.
3: I think this is going to be a multiple part episode, but I, I do want to ask about how things were getting, according to Dave Meltzer, a little uncomfortable in the TNA and ring of honor relationship which at this point is really only the Hardys versus the young bucks match in Lakeland, since there are lingering past issues involving the Jarrett led version of the company and ROH from the past. What was your relationship with ring of honor or lack thereof? Why, why is triple a and crash and Noah and everybody and their brother wanting to do business with you? But for whatever reason, there's a little hurt feelings maybe on the ring of honor side.
2: See me and Joe cough. I don't think we ever had, I know we'd never had a sideways conversation, but I I was a little perplexed that that kind of stuff was being reported in this fact that the issue was between, and Nordham, and I'll, I'll say this. I mean, yeah, I guess it was with, with ring of honor, but, but th- because he sent the cease and desist and you'll get into that. But the issue was really between Ed and the Hardys. Are they going to sign or resign? It, it was, I'm on one side saying, hell yeah, resign them. But if they're not going to let's move on. And, and it just got so complicated, but Me being an issue, and look, I've learned so much over the last four or five years. I know internally that Ring of Honor, because we all started at the same time in 2002, the years rolled along, and our our goals were obviously not aligned, and we shared talent from time to time, and then we got our spike deal, and our talent wasn't as available, and then Joe came to us from Ring of Honor, and look, a lot of water under the bridge, but as far as... Jeff, having any disdain or dislike from ring of honor. That was all a bunch of wrestling nonsense. Uh, but I was aware of all that. And I'm thinking, Hey man,
3: that ain't me. <laughs> That's it. Something that comes out in the newsletter that I think we got to circle in on is, uh, the company can't make money. <laughs> Meltzer would say because the Anthem has spent so much money between the loans and the Billy Corgan settlement. There's just no way to make money right now. So they're looking at cutting costs and there's been talk of cutting pay, which of course has talent unhappy. It all comes down to the budget. So you're tasked with our top acts. The Hardy boys are in contract renewal time. And because we've spent so much money just to get the company, to keep the company alive and to keep our arms around this thing. We probably can't offer them the money we want, and that's probably going to trickle down everywhere else. How quickly do you realize that things are not all rosy financially? What month are we here? January, February.
2: Oh, no, no. I think we're later than that. So, but So, so I, I, okay. I probably rephrased that question wrong. Conrad, in that first 90 days, I went from, yeah. Yeah. Extreme optimism to extreme pessimism. Okay. Because it became clear to me that Ed, I don't want to say shoestring budget, but a very, very tight, tight leash. And it was.
3: Can you give me an example?
2: I couldn't get a talent budget. I couldn't get a production budget. Well, what do you think we need to spend Jeff? Well, uh, I, I don't have the piggy bank. I I don't. Well, what do you think's the best case scenario? Okay. Ed, we're in growing pains. I don't think we need to go live weekly because we're on pop. That ain't gonna, we're not going to get an ROI there. And we probably don't need to do every other week. What I kind of think we need to do is use 2017 to get our sea legs under us and get, get our head around our roster first. And we need to get a marketing campaign and I need to see how Fox sports is going to play out. You know, Conrad, I could come up with a laundry list of things of, can we just kind of see where we're going to settle here in the next, I'll, I'll just say all of 2017, we've got NOAA opportunities. We've got crash. We got world sport. Let's see where we land on all this was kind of my general thing. But with that being said, we got to set budgets. Conrad, I couldn't get an answer for nothing. I mean, I tried and look, I want to get into the weeds here, but and I think, you know, I brought DeMore in. Well, we know where is at now, but I'm like, Scott, can you get an answer out of these folks? Hey Dutch, can you get an answer out of these folks? Hey John Gabork. Me and John would scratch each other, I mean, scratch our heads in front of each other and I'm going, "John, I don't know how to really figure this out because if we're supposed to cut talent, okay, we've both had those hard decisions to make and hard conversations, but if that's the case, well, pal, um, how much are we cutting? <laughs> no answers in Ed's defense. I don't think he knew how to roll down that because I kept hearing, well, we've got the Airlex note. We got to pay. We've got the Dixie note. We got to pay. We've got the Corrigan note. We got to pay. Uh, you know they're they're paying things just to, to to pay our bills before we put put one dollar in front of production, one part in front of talent, one part of administrative costs, insurance, uh, post production. We got to do hires. I, we, I was wanting to bring Sully in and his team and get that rolling. Um, but fi- from a financial perspective, it became clear that the capital was not going to be spent. I'm not going to say it wasn't there because yes, it's there. It just wasn't going to be spent on this asset.
3: Let's talk about, uh, Mr. Galloway. Uh, we've talked about the Hardee's. Uh, did you see Mr. Galloway as the top guy? How big of a oh, priority God. was he for you? Um, wasn't around it.
2: You know, I was around, that's the first time we got to work. And, and I've got to find the episode. I'll get Marcus or, 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 uh, Derek, uh, Derek, or, you know, we, we had drew cut promos that he didn't quite cut today. I'll just say that drew is an emotional, very articulate, Yes. Knows how to convey emotion, knows how to have a cadence, and I mean, just lay a hell of a promo out there. So I I saw him as, as a guy that not just a top talent that could kind of lead the charge. At, you know, the hardy's attacks, um lead 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 the charge, but I also knew you know, because he had done been been doing independence for a couple of years at this time.
3: And he, he looked better
2: than ever. Two thousand fifteen. He, had, he yeah. was when when I came back there. Yeah, I mean, we can't you know, we, we can't afford him, <laughs> what would be in my mind. That that the reality is it goes back to, hey, would you ever want a Goldberg in, in, in TNA? Well, oh, hell yeah. Did yeah. you ever think it was a chance? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Zero chance. <laughs> I, I, I know how Bill thinks financially, or at least close to it.
3: So you, you, did you sort of quickly abandon the idea that we're going to be able to snag the Hardee's and drew, uh, because it's sort of out of your control and we'll just let Ed deal with it.
2: Well, it was always a, I mean, even Dale Oliver, who, and this is a unique set of circumstances, Dale's a guy that I've worked with since before TNA started, who did all of our music. He also produced Jeff Hardy's, um, music that had nothing to do with TNA or impact or he was his own personal producer being Dale had conversations. And, you know, we would both say, Hey, Dale, I don't want to middle you, but maybe you can get an answer because Ed doesn't want me talking to those guys. And at this point, I don't think they will. I just don't think they want to talk to me or who knows what Ed has been said. So, I was trying to figure out, are they on the team or off? It was literally that simple. And I'm not sure exactly we are in the story, but it went from let's get them to they're pulling Ed's chain to, man, this got complicated because now you got IP and who owes what for what money on expenses on final deletion. Are we asking that? And then, of course, it was in, in everyone's mind. They ain't re-signing. They're going back to WWE. They ain't re-signing. They're going to Ring of Honor. They're not re-signing with Impact. It ain't happening.
3: So why did you think the Hardys wouldn't talk to you? I, Ed? I mean, I think that... He, you felt like Ed had said sort of... For, and boy, you know this you has mean? a bad I, connotation. I it,
2: I, sorry, go ahead. Say it again. You
3: thought Ed had poisoned the well?
2: Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm not going to say... Like, spitefully, it is Ed's leading the charge. He's in charge of this investment from his bosses. Hardy's their top talent. Not that I want Jeff out, that, you know, as far as it, he felt it was his job and his position to do it. I was kind of a byproduct. Jeff, stay out of this one. I got it.
3: Why didn't Ed trust you to handle that piece of the business?
2: I have. I, I mean, I truly have no idea. Um Other than, hey, I don't know. I mean, uh, other than, well, this is one we. Well, let me say this because I was very clear with him, as as we're processing and talking this real time. Because I was very clear that Ed, I have no idea what went on. From a financial perspective, with final deletion, I, I I wasn't a part of any of those conversations, so I don't know who owes what. Right. That was th- those conversations, and then on the who owns the IP, I and I can remember. Oh my gosh, Conrad, two or three different conversations with folks in Toronto and Ed, and I'm saying, can you look? And I don't want to get in your business here, but can you look at the contracts that they signed? As it relates to creating IP while they're under contract, Jeff, we've already done all that. We own the IP. And then I'm like, then there's nothing to discuss. Either they're going to read up or not. But apparently there was, there was not some, there was a lot of gray matter in that because to this day, my understanding is Matt and Jeff viewed it one way. And that's what legal disputes always end up being. Uh, Yes. Of course. they, they viewed it one way and Ed
3: viewed it another, uh, you thing.
2: later they kissed and made up. And I was on the outs with both of them.
3: (laughs) That's amazing. Well, somebody you'll never be on the outs with is my staff over at save with conrad.com. First family mortgage can help you save some money, folks, especially this time of year. Maybe you're looking to get a lower monthly payment. Maybe you're looking to make uh, one of those new year's resolutions actually happen and get out of debt. Well, we can help you do all of that at savewithconrad.com. And how about this for starters? Skip your next two house payments. That's right. If you haven't already, you don't have to make your February or your March payment. You're done until April 1st. And come April 1st, no fooling, you're going to have a cheaper monthly payment. We routinely help our podcast listeners, say five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month. You can do it too. You don't need perfect credit, you don't need money out of your pocket. But you do need to check with savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. By the way, I want to mention we have an A-plus rating with the BBB, and you can read all of our five-star reviews over at conradreviews.com. You'll see more than 1,000 five-star reviews there. And in fact, our average rating is 4.72 stars, including this most recent review we just got. Uh, everyone was very helpful, especially Diane. It was a great experience, even for someone with less than perfect credit, 100% recommend. That's what Jeff in North Carolina says. Uh, seriously, go see how much money you can save right now for free at save with By the way, you can also email me your questions. Uh, we recently had a discussion over on Twitter and Jeff, you may not even know this, but, uh, did you know that your credit karma score is not your real credit score? No, buddy, that's like your Fabe score. Uh, but if you're curious about some tips and tricks on how to get yourself ready to fix your credit, to get ready to buy a house, we can help you with that too. We don't say no, we say not yet, but here's how. Check it out. Send me a DM at hey, hey, it's Conrad. Send me an email, Conrad at savewithconrad.com. Or give me a call, 888 425 0105. Or just find out for yourself at savewithconrad.com. Uh, Jeff, let's do uh, a little bit more about, uh, you know, where we're going here in 2017. Cause I do agree with you. We could unpack this and approach it from a hundred different angles, but it does feel like maybe the thing that got away or the, the big opportunity would have been this whole UK visit for the world of sport. Uh, I, I think you guys actually make the trip over you and, uh, and Ed do in February and Meltzer would write, he heard the meeting went really well. And man, you want to talk about a big opportunity. There it is. Tell me what you remember of the ITV meeting and what the goals were, what we were aiming to do, what we were trying to pull off and ultimately why it just didn't happen.
2: Well, that little video clip or just that image you saw, if you're watching YouTube and right now there's a big sun ray coming in. So my videos distorted. So apologies, Marcus Conrad, but no, (laughs) the itv opportunity conrad i think i went over there three times in seven or eight weeks uh preliminary discussions uh how we're going to launch this um that picture was me and tom McLennan who i'm still buds with to this day and we're uh stay in contact and got a couple of moving parts here and there but he is um super great guy fantastic but a uh the Wiz man, whiz kid, no, he's a television producer, but he had a staff under him, and they knew they wanted a wrestling guy. Uh, so we went over, and they were looking at, okay, if we launch this TV series, how do we build the brand? How do we create multiple revenue streams? And being that anthem, I don't say in a similar position, but look, we we were an entity that in 2017— no-how shows were being run, but we were creating content in the U.S. So how did we work together what was kind of the the short statement. But that picture was from the press conference that we had to launch the series. Um, Going to do it at Preston Guildhall. They ended up, we ended up, or they ended up, because we weren't a part of it, moving to uh, another location. It got pushed way down. And look, he, he, for those that don't know, I s- kind of set the table on what of sport was in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. World of sport was a reboot of that series. When it was announced in the UK that it was going to happen, there was a paradigm shift within the WWE mindset that in and of itself, that decision either, Spurred or fast-tracked NXT UK. I think you can kind of immediately look at the talent that NXT UK went and launched and signed and everything that went with it. Jim Ross was going to be a part of the original world of sport. Um, very, very tragic situation. He lost his wife, Jan in, uh, January of 2017, but JR was going through a a really, really tough time. But JR was going to be a part of World of Sport on the original series. Uh, But when they got wind of that, WWE launched NXT UK, called JR in JR's words, not mine, gave him his jersey back. Um, So that whole pre launch and announcement was a foundation shaker in the UK because of the potential, the potential still there. Um, they launched it and that's a whole nother conversation, but uh, on the early stages and we were in discussions and Kevin Sullivan was on board by this time it, it, back at impact and, um uh, Ed and look again, I'm going to defend Anthem here. Conrad Help me out. So they're still dealing with, we'll call it Corgan Airlux, and Dixie. Here's Jeff. They brought that set of circumstances, and we're looking at a merger. We'll call it with Global Force Entertainment and Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions. Then all of a sudden, world of sport opportunity comes up. All right, how do we add that to the piece of the puzzle? And like any network, they're looking for partners in all avenues. And if you're going to, <clears throat> I'll say, share in the upside, well, you got to share in the risk. So, how does a partner like Anthem and ITV get together? ITV has airtime and has production facilities and has studios, so they can put their sweat equity into it that way. How does Anthem put it into there? Well, a couple of ways. One would be talent. The other would be capital. So, again, when you kind of look at the tea leaves, ITV was looking for a capital infusion. Well, maybe if this would have come a year later, Conrad, I think that would have been, a real potential it coming 120 days into their opportunity. It was, Hey man, we got to figure our roadmap out. We just can't be spending money in four or five different places. Makes sense. Conrad
3: total sense. You got in business. You got to, you got to crawl before you walk. That's it. Uh, That's it. there's some, some news and notes that just really tickle me as a reminder, our old pal Dorian, uh, whose family owned AAA, and they've started Lucha underground and they've been working with the crash. Um, they don't, this all gets sideways in a hurry. There's a referee involved in all this. Marty Elias, who, uh, was actually the referee, uh, in the main event of this most recent triple mania. And a friend of the show, shout out to Marty, former WWE uh, referee. They're going to ask you guys to digitize the referee's face in the match between the Hardy boys and super crazy and psychosis. This was a match that was filmed in Tijuana and we're going to air it on impact from the crash show, but you guys get a legal letter about this at the same time, you're having conversations with Dorian. How does all this get sideways? All right, Conrad, just because
2: you always do a good job about this. So Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions, brand new to the space, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, brand new. We're in discussions with Dorian Roldan, owner of AAA Wrestling. Yes. In, in the words that I use then and sometimes when people don't know, They're the WWE of Mexico. Oh, I got it. Yes. They get a letter from Lucha Underground saying, you can't air this match on your network because not a talent, but because of a referee who's under contract to us. Wait a minute, Jeff. You just said Dorian wants to do business with us. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but now Dorian's a part of Lucha Underground and they're U.S. based. Well, where is Lucha Underground right now? Um, well, now the, it was this wrestling series. And when did it at air, Conrad? I'm just trying to like it's kind of irrelevant. But it, it it's not like we were impinging it, on this huge IP.
3: No, Go it, ahead. it was it was on the back burner at that point.
2: Yeah, I, I mean. It was so convoluted that Lucha Underground is stopping Impact from airing a tape with the Hardys who went out and worked for the crash. But Dorian wants to do business with us and do co-branded live events. You think Ed Norton wasn't going crazy at this point?
3: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) It's who's on first.
2: Oh, my gosh. And and look, that's hard. That was, I mean, I got it. I, I mean, I totally understood. Okay, Ed. This is not what you signed up for. You know, I, I know that when I got into it and talking with my attorney and I won't use his name, but I'm like, yeah, pal, this isn't what we signed up for. Is it? Nope. It sure isn't. And you should, I don't want to hear it out of you, but on the flip side, same thing with Ed.
3: Let's just remind everybody that, uh, the letter doesn't just come to you guys. I'm sure that, uh, oh. over the years, TNA got many of these sort of I mean, listen, if you're going to be in the wrestling business, you're going to get a cease and desist. I had a wobbly table in the back of the office and I, and I got a whole stack of them. Some bitches, uh, <laughs> so they send the letter to the crash and uh, Conan and pop TV too. pop TV. Of course, you don't want to piss them off. Uh, you, you don't want to ruffle any feathers there. So, whereas maybe right. There's an issue with the referee in the match. Pop has to be a little more concerned about this than TNA. No.
2: Oh, my. And again, it was not a spike deal, but there was revenue coming in. Yeah. So, and equally as important as revenue in this set of circumstances, they were our visibility. And we're going to run the risk. Uh, uh, it was just a, a complete mess. Now, you also have to understand whose match is this? Right. The Hardys. Yes. Which further comp, it was, I mean, you talk about, you said, that's good. Conrad. Who's on first. No, he's on second. I mean, it was such a mess. So yes, pop TV was our major concern and we jumped through hoops and did what we had to do to make it right. Because again, pop TV, we're, we're a two hour show yeah. out of X amount of hours. They don't want a headache. So we'll cure the headache for them.
3: The Hardy's contract expires on February 27th. They're still the tag team champions and, uh, Matt's wife, Rebby would go on Twitter and write, I've said it many times TNA was the perfect situation for our family and how grateful I was for professionalism and open communications and respect. Now think about what kind of negative changes and straight fuckery would have to go down for us to leave. Meltzer would say TNA wanted them to sign a short-term deal and put them on TV, but they wanted to remain free agents and not sign a new deal. Since TNA badly wanted the ability to book them on independent dates. It's not a lock that they are WWE bound, but that does seem to be the likely result. Eventually in early March, Dave would write, there's tons of changes going on behind the scenes. A lot of people who worked for the company in the past have been contacted And Jeff's big marketing idea is something along the lines of let's make TNA great again, which did work in the presidential election. The idea is to present the idea of the good old days of TNA when Jarrett was in charge with the idea that things went off the rails, perhaps not using that term since he was gone, but on TV, they're going to bury Dixie Carter's regime, whether by name or not, and essentially say the product went to hell. Now listen, I understand that Dave has to fill spaces on a page. I get that. I'm not diminishing that like you do sometimes here on the program. I but, do not. But I would say what do you call him the fiction writer and all this other hateful nonsense? <laughs> but but I do want to remind everybody that one of the best and most effective marketing campaigns of that era, if you go back and you think, was Domino's. Domino spent millions of dollars on commercials that said, Hey, remember our pizza and how bad it sucked? It was flavorless cardboard and it was awful. Well, try it now. It's a lot better. Look at all this cool stuff we're doing. And on some level, just acknowledging, yeah, we were great. And yeah, we lost our way, but Hey man, we figured it out. It turned Domino's around in a major way. And they grew by leaps and bounds and that marketing strategy was effective. And I think a lot of fans who either grew up watching TNA or were definitely rooting for them and considered themselves fans at one point had maybe wandered away because, well, it was flavorless cardboard pizza of wrestling for a while, but Hey, it used to be good. And by God, it will again. I like the strategy. I like the marketing. Did the Hardys not like all of these changes? Was it all just about, as far as you know, the IP, the money, the terms, the dates, the creative, because you're certainly painted with a brush as if to say, well, this is Jeff's fault. I, I truly believe now, again,
2: I have the luxury of talking in 2023, right? Um, but you know, hindsight's 2020, I, I think it in so many ways boiled down to they wanted the IP because they wanted to carry it with them, whether they had the deal with WWE inked or not, they wanted to use that post impact whenever that came and they were willing to fight for it. And, and I get that because again, I don't know what was said and wasn't what wasn't said, whether Jeremy and Matt or Matt and Jeremy and Jeff or, or a, a plethora of them was, at some point, a judge would say, you own this or, or you don't, or they own this. But I believe that was, and I'm sure money uh, w- was involved in that as well, but money and the, I think the IP stood on top of it all. I don't think they gave two craps or I don't even know how much they knew about the, the rebranding and the read this or that, because they both knew I wanted them a part of the show. Because they're top talent, regardless if they're Final Deletion or the Hardy Boys whatever. or hot, whatever, they knew that that. But the IP was their issue. Uh, would would be my, I guess. I believe the IP, and I'm sure again, like money was a part of that. But it was everybody's bitch uh, about money. They they wanted more money. The the rebranding, Connor. That's pretty cool how you talk about the Domino's thing. Is I know that that was something that we we never got up and running, but the whole deal that Ed and myself, but, and I don't want to say Ed brought it, but it's like, man, can we recapture, you know, in Ed's mind, can we recapture that spike deal of 24, 25 million a year? But, but how do we do that? And I'm thinking to myself, we have to show them that. And I still say, you know, how Conrad we joke and we're not, we joke others joke or TNA, LOL. I think a a more accurate phrasing would be impact LOL because the LOL really took center stage when we started confusing the branding and the silliness and wrestling this and just all all that, the the TNA part that I think that I still think there's some equity in that. Um, you know, that may be crazy thing, but when we were kind of going through the, the, what's the marketing mindset is, Hey man, we've got an awesome library and there's some, a lot of successes and and it all kind of germinated out of the conversation that in 2016, I don't think you could get bad, more bad press for a wrestling company than they got.
3: No, it's the worst that, year any company ever had.
2: I'd never seen anything like that in my life. How public it was. Yeah. It, it the, the Dixie Billy court battle just to get back to sea level was going to be a incredible pull because it was bad, bad PR, bad PR. Cause all that stuff came out and I'm thinking guys, we, we're going to have to say, we, I want to acknowledge it. That's where I was going with it. Conrad, you said that Domino's basically acknowledged their screw ups, but give us a shot. Now that's exactly what the whole mindset was internally. Hey, we had a rough couple of years. Here we go.
3: Well, we're going to talk about, uh, what part of your plan was to sort of get back some of that consumer confidence on part two, uh, in the future. We'll try to hit that here in the first of q one here in 2023, but next week, Jeff, we're going to catch up and talk about against all odds. 2008, we got Booker T taking on Robert rude. Awesome. Kong in there with ODB. We got to Eric young defending his world beer drinking challenge uh, or whatever it is against James storm and lots of fun stuff on this program, including Kurt angle, taking on Christian with Samoa. Joe as the enforcer and team three D having to weigh in, uh, with the X division, it's going to be a lot of fun next week oh, yeah. a program. Definitely. Uh, in the meantime, I want to encourage you to go check that show out against all odds, 2008. You can check it out over at impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. Be sure to use our promo code, Jeff. Uh, you can actually watch some of this, uh, deletion stuff that got everybody. So up in arms in 2017 and go watch against all odds from 2008 over at impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. And Jeff, I can't believe this is real. Uh, sincerely, you want to talk about specials and one-offs this past week to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. We had Hacksaw Jim Jim Duggan join us live over on adfreeshows.com and take questions as we did a watch along. We also last week did a live Q&A with you where fans can get on and ask any question they wanted. And we had Sean Oliver and Kevin Nash take a look at uh, diesel's match against Shawn Michaels at in your house. You want to talk about a, a cool opportunity. That was all just one week. Well, the next cool thing that we're doing is February 5th. It'll be, I can't believe this is real. The 35th anniversary of maybe the most memorable angle in wrestling, the infamous twin referee angle with Earl Hebner and his brother, Dave Hebner. It happened on the very first main event. Not Saturday night's main event, but prime time on NBC, the largest audience in wrestling history at that point with Andre, the giant pinning Hulk Hogan. It's also Earl's debut. He's going to join us over at ad free shows. And it happens this Sunday, February 5th at 8 PM Eastern. You want to talk about cool wrestling history. Does it get any cooler than that angle? Jeff Conrad, where did you watch
2: that show at? Did you watch it live?
3: I did. I was, I, I was in my, uh, my, my parents living room in Prattville, Alabama.
2: So I wrestled Jones Barton. This is where like Karen will just want to backhand me. You can remember this Jeff, but you can't remember this is this, this. So I wrestled Jonesboro, Arkansas on this date came on at prime time, but good old Randy Hales. What did he have? BCR. Oh, there you go. Buddy, <laughs> I could not wait to watch it. That angle came off. Now, I'm supposed to be. I'm still not. But I'm supposed to be smart to the business. Right. And they did the twin gimmick. I, I, I could not remember having the conversations in 93 when I went up full time and worked for Vince with Dave and Earl. And I just raved about that. Folks, if you're listening to this and y'all don't know what we're talking about, Go out of your way to watch the angle and try to just teleport back to yes, kind of pre-K fave and no dirt sheets and not cable TV going crazy and no dark side of the ring and no Meltzer and Keller and just all. Just go back to being, hey, man, this isn't my territory wrestling, but this is Hulk Hogan in WWF. Take a look at it. Conrad, when they did that, it was I mean, a magical wrestling moment, definitely top five
3: in my book. And we're going to relive it coming up on adfreeshows.com. February 5th, 8 PM. Eastern Earl Hebner will join us. We're going to do a fun little watch along and pick his brain on the greatest wrestling angle of all time. And of course, when you join over at ad free shows, you don't just get our shows early and ad free. You actually get to uh, tune in. We got a live studio audience here today. Shout out to everybody watching over in the group chat. I see, uh, the usual suspects are here, man. We got Eddie, we got Josh, we got Mark, we got coach Rosie. We got DJ Maddie G we got Amy Vaughn shout out to the whole crew for riding with us today, man. I don't know know know. what I expected from us talking about your return in 2017, but I feel like we, uh, we got the story started, but there's still so much to talk about, dude.
2: Conrad to my right, your left, but you can't see it. I have a -a slammiversary. 15 turnbuckle pad that all the talent signed on it. Don West, um, look, when we get to this episode, Conrad, and, and Derek, when we get into it, but Don West and Robert Flores, Roflo, they were play by play in color, and we did a storyline with Jeremy Borash and Josh Matthews. They both were excellent in this. Scott Steiner, Abyss, good buildup, Alberto Del Rio and Bobby Lashley um, you know, look, it, it wasn't a, a a 14,000 seat arena, but we turned folks away, uh, at, at Universal Studios to come see this event. Slammiversary 15 is a, you know, personally, one of my most favorite shows for so many reasons. We had worked against some crazy conditions, but we, you know, LAX, anyway, that show and, the creative gelling and everything that went with it. Yeah, it's, it is definitely, I'm pumped right now to do that episode. So, uh, looking forward to it, Connie. It's
3: going to be fun. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. Talking all things against all odds, 2008, right here on my world. Peace.